Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast that is a loyal servant of friend computer and only acts to properly carry out the wishes and directives of said friend for the betterment of society. And why wouldn't we? No, seriously, why? Are you having treasonous thoughts, citizen? Don't you want to serve friend computer to engender a just and harmonious society that is definitely not just built in service of selling more Soylent Trip chips or triple bubble soda? I have my suspicions. You might say I have paranoia. XP. Paranoia XP. I think it's the I think it's a 6th edition. Whatever, it's System Mastery. And welcome back to System Mastery. I'm your host, Jeff, joined as always by your other host, John. You have no hosts but us. <laughs> That's the first commandment. That is, of course, yeah. Uh, let there be no host but us. If you're watching Jimmy Kimmel or Seth Meyer or something right now, Seth Meyer, Seth Meyers. Seth Meyer. Seth Meyer. Stop. Don't watch them anymore. I don't care how funny they are about Trump. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's only us, and then also we have uh, designated Colbert, one of our avatars. Or Colbert, whatever he is these days. Yes. Yeah, he speaks for us. He speaks the word, the true word, the the, the word truth. Uh, in his in his mouth, truthiness. I think. I, yes. I think if I remember sixteen years ago properly. If I if I have that in my brain, and I think I think I do. At least I'm certain I have it in my gut, and that's where I think from. Yeah. Yeah. Old Colbert show or Colbert rapport. Anyway, this is going to be a review of paranoia. That's right, Paranoia XP. I was just trying to remember the name of the company that made the darn thing. Mongoose Publishing. Thank you. Yeah. So Mongoose Publishing's Paranoia XP. You know what this is. This is episode 110. We're trying to keep it every five episodes. It's a game you might have heard of. Maybe, might have. Maybe. Maybe a little bit you might have heard of it. Maybe a little bit. So Paranoia, you know. Maybe you've never played it, but Lord knows you've heard people kind of, I don't know, trope on about it. Like the intro. Like the intro, let's say. Yeah, let's say like that. Because that seems to be, at least for me, I don't know about you, John, but for me, that, that's what I've always associated with this game is people doing the whole, oh, but logically you would be failing friend computer if X, if, if X. oh, well, no, I don't think so. I think I would be serving friend computer, but that means that you're a traitor for accusing me of being a traitor and herpader. This is the same joke as yesterday. Yeah. Um, the weird thing is when I first, I played Paranoia before I had actually heard of it. Mm-hmm. So I came to it like fairly fresh the very first time I ever played it. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty much my reaction to it, was like, oh, this this is all just, like, people accusing everyone of doing treasonous things. Yeah, and it, I feel like the actual concept of a story is going to fall out. It, it's a lot, it's like, I mean, at least in terms of my interpretation, having read the book, I can, you know, completely say that the book's fun. It's a good, fun read. I don't know that I'd enjoy playing it, but it's a good, fun read. A lot of my negative perception of paranoia appears to just have been based on hanging around nerds for most of my life. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it would be the same if the only way you had ever heard of any role-playing game was listening to nerds talk about that role-playing game. Yeah. And you I would think- pretty much always be like, oh, fuck that game. Oh, yeah, D&D. That's that, uh, that's that trench coat elf thing, right? Everyone's got a katana and gray eyes and is level 15 and... One time they totally killed like someone and then shit on them. <laughs> or they, they found a way to solve a problem that involved throwing halfling poop. Yeah, I don't want to play that. Thanks, though. Oh, boy. That's what that's what you would get if all you knew about D&D is what people told you about D&D, ex- their personal D&D experiences in a store. Yeah. Yeah. So Paranoia has that same problem. The book is just fine. 
Um, it's just that I feel like that play style might be relatively common just due to the tropiness of what we're dealing with here. Like, you may set out to play Paranoia and be like, all right, I've got a real adventure written, and everyone's going to have to go to this place and grab a thing and get back to the, the computer storage depot with it and then repair the thing. And then your players, when they start, are going to be like, uh-uh, you just said a word that I found in my paranoia dictionary as being treasonous, therefore you're a, tre you're, you're a treasonous traitor. And they're going to be like, uh-uh, because it's negative opposite day. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I wanted to run a real adventure. You are running Calvin Ball. Yeah, well, paranoia comes with three different modes that uh -huh. you can play it in. And you've well, got your, your standard mode. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of jokey and goofy and people are going to be you know, accusing each other of treason, but you're mostly trying to be troubleshooters and whatnot. Yes. Uh, you've got Zap, which is your full bullshit nonsense. Everyone's killing everyone, and you're just going to be running a one-shot because no one is going to survive this. That's correct, yes. And I, then you've got, like... I think it's called Straight. Yeah, you, you've got Straight, where it's trying to run Paranoia as, like, an actual weird, oppressive, big brother type society, and instead of it being... Because Paranoia, the book itself and how you play, is very Jew. Mm -hmm. uh, jokey? Mm -hmm. it's, you just say it's very Jew? It's very joke. I'm, I'm going to have to go through and clean that. <laughs> I just choked on my own throat. Oh, okay, fair enough. The, uh, <laughs> not the But in straight, it's trying to be like, oh, no, you're playing like serious troubleshooters in a in a land that wants to murder you but it doesn't change any of the rules or roles or anything there's a few little things that get changed uh notably the list of mutant powers that your character has are directly changed by which uh, mode you're playing in oh yeah yeah so there's a couple of things in there that that actually modify based on which uh, thing you're playing in the the thing I found interesting was I didn't do that much research on this but I wanted to know what edition we had at least mm -hmm. and it turns out that XP basically takes the tone of like first second and fifth edition paranoia and turns that those into uh, original straight and zap because huh. I guess for over the course of the years since paranoia was written the authors have just sort of run with the jokey tone that kind of came out of it. So with each successive uh, edition, it got goofier and goofier until I guess, I, I'm not sure about this. I'm This is all, you know, uh, bare minimum Wikipedia anthropology here, but I, I, fifth edition apparently was straight up just tune. <laughs> so, I, so that's sort of a neat thing. The XP is trying to kind of course correct a little bit while still leaving it in there for people that loved what, what they liked about fifth edition at all. Yeah, and I can fully understand the desire to be like, what I want to play is a game where we run around and we've got, like, a mission. The mission is mostly just bullshit of, like, hey, you need to clear a dead body out of some, like, mm -hmm. vent or something. And that's your whole mission. But in getting to that mission, you all die. Yeah, yeah. Or if you play it in the straight mode, someone finds a dead body and uh, they, they come and get you and you go and you've got your fat friend and your one black friend and then you, you have to jump off a train trestle before a train hits you. And later on, you get beat up by some bullies, and it looks like they win, but in the end, they don't really. I have no idea what you're doing here. Stand By Me? The, oh, I've never watched Stand By Me. Uh, no, okay, well, it's, the, you know, with a dead body. In the, how have you not watched? Isn't that a Stephen King movie? Yeah, well, yeah. How, that's that's got to be the biggest cult of the whole of your, your uh, Stephen Kingery. Oh, yeah. No, the 
the Stephen King non-horror stuff, I'm just kind of like, yeah, all right, this is probably better than his horror stuff, but I'm still not into it. <laughs> like all, all I've watched or cared about with Stephen King is the couple of non-horror things that are floating around out Give there. Give me that Green Mile, that Shawshank. Uh, I'll pass on the Green Mile, but Shawshank, that's some, that's Dude, some high Mile's quality. Green Mile's great. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I figured it was one of his magic disabled person things. I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's my least favorite well that Stephen King goes to. <laughs> <laughs> is the is the because uh, he also has it in what like the Langoliers, uh, Dreamcatchers. There's a few uh, Dreamcatchers. Sorry, there's a few other ones out there where he's like, well, well uh, everybody eventually picked up magic powers from that local town doofball. Yeah, that is. I don't know why he's so obsessed with being like, oh yeah, if if you have mental retardation, apparently you're also a superhero. Yeah, like you just have. Either mystic powers or psychic powers or super strength or something. Could you imagine having to be a real person with a real disability around him? And be all like, hi, I'm autistic, so uh, I, there's a couple of things I need you to know before before we start working together. And he's like, ooh, can you see behind my eyes? <laughs> oh, is, is one of the couple things I need to know that you have the shine? <laughs> Do you have the kiving? Do you want? Can you show me a dimension beyond our own? No, I, I, I can't. Also, I don't act like Sheldon, so don't expect that either. Please. Also, I, I, none of that, please. No, no, please, just can we te- treat me normally? Indeed, until you die, and then on your deathbed, you'll teach us things. <laughs> we'll all realize that all the things you were saying were really clues. They were secret warnings about the approach of a giant lamp monster. I don't know. <laughs> some kind of canoe. <laughs> some kind of canoe. All right, back to paranoia. Uh, so might as well tell us tell people what the actual game is about for the few who haven't heard about it at all. It is a dystopian future setting. So, but but a, but a false utopia is basically the idea here. Like uh, you know, like a Brave New World or a 1984. The idea is that in the future, a singular computer brain has kind of taken over the world and sort of runs everything as a benevolent overlord, a semi-benevolent overlord. Uh, most of the population is kept drugged to varying degrees uh, to keep them docile and happy and doing the, in their low-level work. And the player party is comprised of what's called troubleshooters, which are people who are elevated just one rank above the bare minimum, uh, taken off some of the heavier drugs, and ordered out into the world to go do random tasks and chores for friend computer, uh, and also to root out treasons and mutants wherever they possibly can. Uh, the whole thing's relatively tongue-in-cheek, uh, as evidenced by the fact that your player actually has five lives or six lives to start the game with. Yeah, you've got a batch of clones. Mm-hmm. And if you die, they just send out another clone. Yes, and if you lose all six clones, it is still possible to have more clones because you can buy them with uh, money that you earn during the course of the game. Yeah, you can just buy another batch. Yeah, you can keep buying clones so that you can technically live for quite a long time, but not forever. We'll get into more about that. Uh, But since the idea is to root out treason and mutants uh, who are plotting against friend computer, and plotting against friend computer basically just comprises of being a mutant, or a you know, communist. A communist. Uh, it, it, it gets very comical very quickly because the whole point of the game is, again, to be very paranoid of the rest of the team. Yeah, so uh, the thing is, it's like, oh, being a mutant is treasonous. Everyone is a mutant. Every single person is a mutant. Being and the book, a part of a secret society is treasonous. Everyone is a part of a secret society. Yeah, and I, I love the way the book presents that, to be honest with you. The, the, I mean, because it's it's a joke, right? Oh, all the mutants are treasonous and automatically uh, ordered to death by friend commu- computer. Also, everyone is a mutant. Yes. So it's it's a, sort of a tongue in cheek joke. But then when you get to the mutation section, it just goes. So your character's going to have a mutation for sure. 
And I was just like, oh, so there's really, there, it's not a choice or anything? It's no. like a tick? Nope, you just are automatically a treasonous mutant who yeah. is trying to root out other treasonous mutants. No matter what, a starting character has a mutation and is part of a secret society. Yeah. It does not matter. That is what you have as a starting character. And so, you know, since every starting character has that, every single person on your troubleshooting team is someone that is treasonous, but so are you. Yeah. So that's the whole point of that, is trying to catch people in gotcha moments. So what the book, when discussing these gotcha moments, mentions that in previous editions of this game, or at a lot of playtest tables, they encountered the problem of the players just immediately accusing each other of treason immediately upon starting the game. Yeah. Just like the moment the game starts. So they're like, that guy's a treasonous mutant. So this book, Paranoia XP, tries to course correct this a little bit by... Uh, making it hard to accuse someone of treason without actually catching them red-handed. Yeah, well, if you don't have proof of treason, accusing someone of treason without proof is treason. Yes. So if you do go like, oh, we start the game, and I just immediately point to a guy and go, he's a mutant commie, and then they go, all right, what's your proof? Uh, I think he is. Not good enough. You're treasonous. You're treason. Yeah, which I, I kind of appreciate that they course-corrected a problem that was encountered at previous tables in this game by using the world to fix it. Yeah. They were like, oh, well, it's treasonous to accuse someone of treason improperly. So it's a good fix, and it seems to work pretty well. Yeah, I like the uh, the whole thing with friend computer and all of the stuff that makes this like an oppressive society is it was sort of a computer program to try and help people that's gone out of control. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I want people to be, you know, have fun and be happy and be, you know, have good hygiene and whatnot. <clears throat> but it's turned that into people have to be happy and have to have fun at all times. And yes. You must be clean. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, communism is the worst thing that could possibly happen in this very obviously communist society. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Uh, there are only a couple of stats you need to know in order to play your character. You have six different technical skill proficiency categories, and your average character starts with all of them at seven, I think? Yeah, you can. There's three different ways you can do it. You yeah, can do a you point can, by. You can do a everything starts at seven, or you can roll, roll a d twenty. Roll a d twenty, yeah. and I think it's roll a d twenty and divide in half. Yes, and then just take whatever. Yeah, so that's that's recommended for zap style play. Uh, now those six categories are not in my head, but they're things like hardware, violence, yeah, uh, that sort of thing. They're not they're not attributes. The game only has two attributes, and your player doesn't know what those attributes are. Yeah, you have access and power. power. Yeah. And power is your mutant power, like what level of power you have, which if I've got, say, telekinesis as a mutant power and my power rating is super high, then I can like, oh, I'm going to lift up a truck and throw it at a dude. But if my rating is fairly low, then maybe I can like float a coffee cup. Yes. Uh, and every time you use your mutant power, it does use up points. So that even if I started with a ridiculously high power level, it would start to go down the more I used it, and then it would eventually recharge. That's correct. Now, the other one, uh, did you already talk about access? While no, I, I have not talked about access. So access is your, it literally access. It's the amount of sway you have within the uh, the, the culture and the, and the oligarchy that you're, that you're running around in. It's your ability to walk your way past uh, middle managers, get past locked doors, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it can either be... Like, because you yourself are influential in some way, or it might be that, like, someone in one of the higher-up echelons has their eye on you, and so they've, like, picked you out as being special for some reason. 
Uh, but for whatever reason, you have an access rating that's like, oh, if if I've got a high access rating and I want to get into some room, it'll be way easier for me than that other guy who's got a low access rating, and they'll just be like, no, you're not allowed in. Absolutely. So, so here we go. These are the uh, these are the categories of uh, basically they're they're. More like abilities than attributes. Yeah, but it's basically like skills. They're basically skills, and they're the core things that you get to know about your character. Uh, they're blocked out into two groups, action skill specialties and knowledge skill specialties. Actions include management, stealth, and violence. Knowledge includes hardware, software, and wetware. Yeah. With wetware being things like biology, medical, cloning. It's not just murder. Yeah, it's uh, not just murder. So the way that you do this is once you use one of the three random or three generation methods to choose what your core value is in each six, one of those six categories, you then get to pick six specialties in each of them, uh, up to six. Uh, and what that does is it increases the value of, of your role in that category by four, I think. Yeah. Yeah, by four. So it moves it from seven to 11. Uh, and keep in mind that the success in this game is is rolling under your your value on a d20. Yeah. So you can increase up to six in any category by four. In exchange, you have to choose a different thing that's a specialty in that same category and drop its value to one. Yeah. So, for example, if I were taking, I don't know, let's say stealth, I could say uh, take a specialty in disguise and raise, raise, blech, raise my disguise skill from a seven to an 11. But at the same time, I'd be taking something like sneaking and saying, I'm terrible at this. It's a one. Yeah. Now, the uh, DM in this game uh, is, or I guess friend computer or the ultraviolet mega programmer or whatever you call the, the guy in charge of this game, is encouraged to make sure that you don't take uh, special or weaknesses that are stupid. Huh. Like it's there's a lot in here about how to properly condition and play the, the game for your players. Like, oh, keep them on their toes and and make sure that they're always constantly suspicious of everything and and don't let them get away with shit without punishing them horribly. Uh, it's all very tongue in cheek. It's not like you know make them go home and read the dictionary bad. Yeah. So if you if you say things like, oh, uh, I'm taking a stealth specialty of sneaking, so that's at eleven, but I'm also taking a stealth weakness of. I am very audible to cats. Huh. Then your your DM is going to have to be like, no, that's not real. It's, there aren't a lot of cat based threats in this, so uh, <laughs> so I'm going to need you to reconvene on that one. Or I guess maybe I'll just write the whole next adventure so it's nothing but cat guards. Yeah, it's just yeah. a lot of cats. There's just cats There's all the way down. You got to get past the rum tum tugger room. <laughs> yeah, the uh... you got to steal the memories. <laughs> steal them. <laughs> steal the disc of memories. Take them from the corner of the mind room. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, the selection of like skills that you have and things you can do are fairly freeform. You yeah, do have to roll random for your mutation. You don't get to just pick. Yeah, uh, and even though I was listing off a variety of specialties there, there's a, there's a group that are written down as suggestions, and then a lot more you're allowed to go through and, and pick on your own. Yeah. Now you get... You get, like I was saying, you get all those specialties and and a bunch of uh, core abilities. You're also going to get one more core ability from whatever your secret, uh, what's the secret, secret society. society? So you're going to get one from your secret society. You're also going to get one from your actual profession. Yeah. So because you do have a thing you do in the society, so you might be like, I'm in engineering, or I'm a soldier, or I'm whatever. Yeah, I'm a janitor. I know how to mop. And uh, you'll get some skill from that. Mm -hmm. You're going to get one from your secret society. Mm -hmm. So let's say I am in my seat, like I'm one of the communists, because mm -hmm. uh, that is a secret society. Then I'll get like propaganda as my uh, my special skill. 
but all of them have weird things like there's uh like the death leopard is a secret society and they're all about like causing chaos and destruction and so you have a whole bunch of different weird things you can get so you might get like demolitions from them yeah absolutely there there's like tree huggers all kinds of different secret societies that are a lot of fun yeah uh, so each one of them is going to provide you with one more ability that you can roll on uh, or use over the course of the game and then you get mutant powers and mutant powers are a d20 roll and there are three categories of them based on which type of extraordinary game you'd like to play with you know zap categories being things like vaporize people teleport around the room but straight categories being things like uh you know sense energy well no the i mean honestly a lot of the powers between the three are shared that is true there's a lot of shared powers between them uh but but they are three different tables so that zap can have wackier stuff in it yeah if you're i playing- mean teleportation is one that you're only going to get in zap because yeah. it's way you also get stuff that's like way more powerful yes because teleportation as a power if you're playing in a straight game lets you get around a lot of stuff yes it does now um the other thing that's on several of those tables are powers that are so treasonous that you're not even supposed to be vaguely allowed to be in society. Like, apparently... Yeah, one, of the, compu- one of the things you can do is you can register with Friend Computer as a mutant mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to use my uh, mutant power to help the Friend Computer. And then you get a yellow stripe down your uniform mm-hmm. that lets everyone know you're a mutant and then you basically become a second-class citizen and everyone hates you. Yeah. But you get to stay alive and use your mutant power publicly and rather than try and hide it. But there are a few roles you can make on that table that are things like machine empathy. Yeah, machine which- empathy is 100% you get killed immediately if anyone finds out you have that because the leader of society is a computer. Yes. He's a computer. Help computer? Or <laughs> <laughs> chop sandwiches. <laughs> All right, so... Uh- so yeah, you can't have machine empathy, but you can roll it, which is a great opportunity to play very secretively. Yeah. Uh, all right. So one of the big things we haven't really talked about yet, though, is the uh, the structure of society. Oh yeah, I didn't want to. I wanted to just skip that entirely. If, if that's okay with you, I was planning yeah. to spend the rest of the uh, of the next forty minutes or so talking about chicken recipes. Mmm, chicken. Yeah, just chicken recipes now. Yeah, chicken recipes. All right, so the first one is dip a chicken in some salt. Now throw it away and eat the salt. Yeah, salt. Get that good chicken juice salt. Get some raw chickeny salt. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, fine. There's Okay. So, so go ahead. The color breakdown. The Roy G. Biv with an extra U on the, in the beginning. And an I. Yeah, so it's the U Roy G. Bivy. So the society is broken down into the stratas of what level you have access to and how much money you make and where you get to live and everything. So it goes color-wise. You start at infrared, and infrared is your basic shit drones. They are drugged to the point where they barely recognize what's going on in their daily life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're very drudge, just walk around, do whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're basically the people from idiocracy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, welcome to Walmart. I love you. Is it yeah. Walmart or Costco? I think it's I don't know. I think it's like Price Club or something in the movie. But uh so that's your infrareds. Uh-huh. Your reds are troubleshooters. Just above them. That's what you get promoted to when you become a troubleshooter. You go from infrared to red. Yeah, you get taken off some of your drugs, but not all of them. Yeah. So now you have just enough uh awareness to realize what's going on in society around you and you make but no ability to gain any benefit from it yes. or do anything about it and you now make just enough money that instead of having to sleep in a giant communal bedroom that smells bad and your bed had someone else in it right before you got there 
uh, you get like a little apartment with like four other people. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of my favorite things about this is that your salary is exactly equal to how much it costs for you to maintain your status. Yeah. One of the things that friend computer will watch out for is, are you spending less than you get monthly on how to live? Mm-hmm. Because if you were to say not spend all of your money every month, they'd be like, oh, that's weird. You must be doing something strange with it, possibly giving it to a secret society. Yeah, that's definitely true. Or recruiting communists. Yeah. So they they always watch to see like how much you're actually spending. So, for example, you get paid like a thousand credits a month if you are a red instead of an infrared. Also, your apartment as a red costs a thousand credits a month. <laughs> uh, and it all they also each come with basically. For that thousand credits, you get red level life, which is you know you get the apartment, you get uh, a red variation on on Soylent food. Yeah, all of these Soylent ones have different. They have joke names. names for them. Yeah, they all have joke names based on the color. Yeah. Uh. So, so yeah, you get that. You get uh, access to a you, access to a few places that an infrared can't go, and you don't. At this point, you're still a total drudge, so you don't have the ability to hire or fire anyone. Yeah, and so, you know, it goes up. You get your orange and yellow and so on. Yeah, and right right around, there's a certain point where it's just, they're all super crazy wealthy and it's almost pointlessly different between them. Yeah, basically, once you hit green level, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, now you're up in, like, the upper strata of people and you're no longer in, like, middle management and management. Now you're in people that actually are worth a damn. Yeah, you're in the 1%. So that you're like, oh, I have my own apartment, and there's not even cameras in the bathroom. I get real food at every meal. Yeah. Yeah, There's a, I have a yellow who I get to order around. My my method of travel is a car. Like, yeah. It's, it's pretty great. Um, there's, there is a point at which you're so rich that it starts to kind of not matter anymore. Like, there's really not that much difference between a blue and an indigo. Uh, like, blue tends to be like, oh, I'm a, uh, it's where all the secret society chiefs are. Which I found confusing, to be honest with you. How, how is it that being in charge of a secret society, which is hugely illegal, uh, how does that lead to you also being wealthy? But, oh, you know, because you're because getting donations from the rest of the secret society. They're super corrupt. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's rad as heck. But uh, it, And then you hit the top level, uh, ultraviolet. Yeah, the ultraviolet is people that you'll probably never even see. Like, no one even knows who's in the ultraviolet. Well, the neatest thing about the ultraviolets is they're allowed to know everything about the world, including their own stats. Yeah. They're the only people who can know their own stats. Because they control everything, yeah. so what does it matter? Yeah, so why would you try to stop them? They're in charge. So that's that's just sort of a neat thing. So basically, you play as Reds, but you can always aspire to be promoted. And uh, one of the big interesting things in the game mm-hmm. is damage-wise... You have like seven you, health levels. Well, yeah, but the lasers that you get have different colors on them mm-hmm. based on security clearance. So if I'm a Red... I am allowed to have a gun that shoots a red laser, Mm -hmm. and that will do damage to anyone at a red clearance level or below. However, if I take my red laser and shoot someone wearing orange armor, it will bounce off of them. Yes, they have reflect armor, and reflect armor works against any laser of lower status than your armor. Yeah, so that that way you can run around and be like, oh yeah, I can blow up like dudes that are the same level as me, and of course I can shoot anyone lower than me. But if I ever try and be treasonous and shoot someone higher than me, it just doesn't work. There's even more to the guns than that, because also when you are issued your gun upon becoming a troubleshooter, they give you everything but the barrel. Yes. You get just a trigger and a, and a handle, 
Uh, and then when you are about ready to go on a mission, they issue you an appropriate barrel for your laser to take on the mission and then return it when you get back. Yeah, and the barrel is the only thing that actually shoots stuff. It holds the color. It shows how many rounds you've got on the barrel. Yeah, so there's a lot of neat little steps there to make the society kind of fun, but also very dystopic. They did a, they did an okay job with that. Uh, so, as we mentioned before, uh, the, the, you don't get to know your own stats for the most part. You know your, your ability stats, so you know that you have a hardware of seven, but you have no idea what your power or access are. And that's... Sort of an issue for, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's worse for power than access. Because access, you can be like, I try to get into whatever place and talk my way past them. It doesn't work. All right. But with power, if you have a ridiculously high power and don't realize it, you might be like, all right, I know that my like actual mutant ability is, say, pyrokinesis. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, what I want to do is just like set that guy's pant leg on fire because then he'll be distracted or whatever. The DM rolls for you to see what happens, and if you make that roll by a whole lot, then it might be like, okay, I try to set that guy's pant leg on fire. What I actually do is set an inferno off in this entire room and murder everyone. I can tell you why I didn't find the whole you-don't-know-your-own-stats thing to be particularly valuable, because it also, in the same breath, encourages the DM to arbitrarily adjust them all the time. (laughs) Where it's just like, oh, maybe they did something cool and it gave them a bunch of access. Maybe their power got drained down to nothing and they don't notice. Feel free to just play with these numbers as much as you want. And at a certain point where when the player doesn't know what his own stats are and they're being capriciously modified all the time, why even have them? (laughs) Instead of just letting the DM just have their their stats set at whatever was funniest or most appropriate for any given situation. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is hidden DM knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is the type of game that very much is about, like, players sending notes to the DM and the DM giving notes back and no one sharing information. You don't say out loud what you're going to do, stuff like that. Yeah. So the DM has a ton of control over things and not just, like, fudging rolls or doing whatever, but he can just change the stats, like you said. Yeah, well, he's encouraged to. He's encouraged to. It says right there in the book, constantly change these stats around based on all of the players' actions and also on your whims and whether or not they brought you any presents or anything. And, you know, I agree with you. It's it's basically a point where you go, like, why do you even have That's numbers the thing. then? I'm not saying that it's badly designed. It's funny, which is what they were hoping for. It's funny to have capricious nonsense stats that your players can't know about, but it... It's also would be funny to pull the wheels back and go, hey, by the way, since this number changes based on your whim constantly, it is not a relevant number. Feel free to just uh, just uh, let the player's powers fizzle when you think it would be funny or work too far hard when you think it would be funny based on the needs of your game. Yeah. Because actually writing the number down is just masturbation. It's doing nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you may as well just be like, I'm going to decide what it does, and then if I don't really care or have a good idea, I'll roll a die, and based on what I roll, I'll decide whether it's good or not. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but... It is kind of like, it's a little masturbatory. There's really there's not a whole re- real reason to keep track of the number if you're going to be constantly futzing with it. Uh, now, here's another fun thing. This game has a whole mechanic called perversity points. Ah, yes. So perversity points are, uh, they're kind of like the, the brownie points from back when we reviewed the Ghostbusters RPG. Kind of. Where they work as XP at the same time that they work as an expendable resource. Mm-hmm. So perversity points represent uh, your character's I guess perversity and deviation from from uh, you know the auspices of friend computer. You can spend them to permanently increase your your attribute values. Uh, you can spend them to activate mutant abilities, and you can spend them uh, one at a time as bonuses or p- penalties to your own or other people's roles. 
Yeah, and they do also have a uh, a list of ways you can do that. Because you can either do it as, like, you don't get to spend perversity points on bonuses at all, which it says you can change how you run perversity points. It's like, oh, if you're running a game and at some point you're like, oh, uh, for this fight no one gets to spend perversity points. It's just going to go straight. Yeah, it actually encourages the DM to allocate players an amount of their perversity points per each encounter they get into that they can spend on that one. See, if you have 25 perversity points, you can't spend them all in one encounter. Your DM will tell you how many you're allowed. But then there are other times where they're like, oh, the way you're going to spend perversity points is... Uh, one person can spend, we go around the table, and then we get to the end, and that's it. Yeah. Other ones are the auction method, where it's just, I spend one, and then someone else can say, I'm going to spend one, and I'm going to spend one, and you just keep going until you're done. Yeah, and because, again, this is game This game has a competitive element to it, a lot of those are going to be spent on making your rolls worse. Yeah. In an attempt to get your clone killed off so that you can slowly become the only troubleshooter, because that's the safest thing to be. Yeah, because, you know, someone's going to be like, oh, I'm going to try and jump to the other side of this, like, spinning meat vat and you're like okay and uh, i'm gonna spend perversity points so that i'll actually make this jump and someone else is like oh i want him to die i'll spend perversity points so that he falls in yes and then given that the dm is also encouraged to just randomly change the difficulty behind everyone's backs it's just another exercise in who gives a shit which is (laughs) which is fine it's not a big deal it just means that the game's way more free form than all these rules they bothered to put in here yeah and i mean you can play the game as as the dm i will roll in front of you Mm mm-hmm so that you aren't fudging as much. Yeah, they actually have a section there on different types of DM play. There's it, the one that is ridiculous, because there's the hidden rolls or the shown rolls, mm-hmm. and then there's ones where you roll and you can show certain people if you like them. Yes, and I thought that's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's more just, uh, it's kind of like playing the great Del Moody. Or, <laughs> or uh, I, I guess there's other games like that where you have the king and the pauper on the yeah. table, you know. Del Moody's kind of a, a hard pull. I don't even know if they still make it. It became the Dilbert game for a while. Wow, really? Yes, that's why Del Moody was discontinued for a while is because they rebranded it as a Dilbert game. Blech. Yeah. I think it might be back to Del Moody now in, insofar as Dilbert uh, and Scott Adams in general is a, is a crazy piece of libertarian shit. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, yeah, I might cut the word there. But otherwise, I mean, he's just a... He's just an annoying, weird dipshit who's famous because he drew a yellow or a curvy tied nerd. Yep. Also, I bet he feels real terrible for having affixed his whole career to uh, just the word Bert being stuck on the ends of things. <laughs> what a fucking dick, Bert. Anyway, um, so like Dal Moody, you have get when it doesn't really matter if you're the emperor or the king or whatever in this card game, right? It's not like it gives you any powers, but socially, it starts to happen that way. Yeah, you get a Stanford prison experiment thing happening where you're like, "Oh, uh, I've declared you the emperor of the card table." What powers does it come with? None. Oh, but I can enforce them anyway, right? You two, you are my slaves. You must go and fetch me drinks. <laughs> and somehow that shit starts to work. So in this game, you can kind of fuck with your players that way by saying things like, "You two get to see what my roles are." Yeah, it Be- was. Oh, and that that last time where we had a, uh, an encounter. You two seem to be uh, the nicest to me. You can see what my roles are. I mean, there's no way there isn't several jokes about DM's pizza in this thing. So because of some pizza-related thing, you don't get to see the roles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, you... Instead of pizza, because it's this game, it's going to be like, you didn't bring the DM some Soylent chips or whatever the fuck. <laughs> are you also supposed to pretend that your food is the future food while you're playing this game? Uh... I mean... <laughs> Just get a bunch of Pop-Tarts and pizza rolls and go to town? Hell yeah, dude. I'm all about that. (laughs) Just a whole bunch of Totino's pizza rolls. (laughs) Bouncing bubble 
beverage. Bouncing bouncy bubble beverage and Totino's brand pizza rolls, the food of the future. I should stop talking about them because I think Red Letter Media has the uh, the on brand joke about. <laughs> yeah, those. we're gonna get a cease and desist from Red Letter. <laughs> please, please stop writing uh, articles about our pizza rolls. Please stop using your web zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to happen. This is a really good review of Star Wars with a ridiculous amount of insane rape jokes in it. Why did we do that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so uh, the, the other thing about perversity points is you start with a set number of them, but you can increase that starting set number if you're willing to take ticks, which are uh, habits that make your character highly identifiable, which makes it harder for you to do things in secret. Yeah. So it might be something like, oh, a tick can be a physical thing. So you're like, oh, I've got like a giant red mohawk mm -hmm. as a tick. Mm -hmm. Or it can be something like, every time I talk, I end my sentence by sneezing. Yes. Now, my tick is uh, is that I am nigh invulnerable. <laughs> good tick. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good tick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, unfortunately, I, all, I, I <laughs> often, I, I've been hit by a bad man with street. Yeah. And so that's another tick of mine is that I'm a little... Uh... I have a capybara and I named it Dog. <laughs> Batman hit dog with street. <laughs> did you watch the new one of those on uh, Amazon Prime at all? I did. I did watch the Amazon tick, and it was, it wasn't great. It's not. It wasn't terrible. It's not. It's weird. It's. I mean, I can see where they're going with it because at first I was like, all right, how? Each time tick comes out, I watch it. I've watched that. Yeah, that, the, the, the the coffee uh, shop one, the Warburton one. Yeah, the Warburton one with Batman well and and yeah. and so on. And it it was okay, but you could tell that. Each time they do the tick, ever since the fir the cartoon, it's been a send up of some TV thing yeah. because they're trying to fit budget. So the first cartoon was just let's make the tick, but for children, and it's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite shows ever. I uh, fucking love the original yeah. animated tick. I don't have anything against the coffee shop one, but it's just a send up of Seinfeld and Friends style sitcom conventions uh -huh. using characters in in complicated rubber costumes. The new one, there's only six episodes so far, but the new one is very clearly a send-up of like CW-style superhero shows. Yes, it is very much like a, hey man, you you know Arrow? What if Arrow also had the tick in it? Because the thing about the shows like Arrow is once you start watching them, you get way into them, but if you look at them from outside and, and someone tries to describe them to you, they're like, oh dude, so you know the Arrow villain Count Vertigo? Like, he's a crazy evil count from a, from a made-up country called like Chinovnia or something, and he has an eye patch that, that hypnotizes people? Well, what if he got real sad because his girlfriend left him? And then, he doesn't do anything evil about it. He just gets sad. We follow him along for a couple of days. How about if we did three episodes about Captain Cold's dad? <laughs> and that's that's the kind of thing they're sending up, right? Like yeah. where th those shows need to fill airtime, so they just turn into soap operas. Uh huh. And that's what. And this is what if that? But then the tick was walking around in it. Yeah. Which I mean, I feel like that's a fun, weird thing to play in a space of like, let's take a super serious hero world mm -hmm. and drop the tick into it yeah and i think that they mostly did that with you know the occasional paella or paella with the yeah, occasional, with the occasional paella, paella. <laughs> just a couple of paellas <laughs> fancy <laughs> spanish rice dishes a little chorizo thrown in for uh, good measure that, that's a couple of papayas <laughs> just a couple of papayas a couple of panera breads were thrown in there for good measure <laughs> i meant the occasional paellin uh. <laughs> paellin to, uh, you know, still making things funny. Like, Miss Lint is an amazing character concept. Yeah. Someone with electricity powers, and the problem is that it makes her all linty. Yeah. She's that's, just got static cling at all times. And that's that's great. That's exactly the kind of character you'd expect to see walking around in the Tick's world. Yes. Um, but then again, she really does have powerful lightning powers. Yeah. She used them to kill that Pharaoh guy. 
Ah, oh, that Pharaoh guy. I, don't, I only I watched the season. Ramses. Right, Ramses. I watched it right when it came out. I've forgotten everything. That's sad. About the only part I truly remember is when he's having a fight with some crazy anti-hero type. And he inter- he pauses the fight for a second because there's a thug getting away and hucks a tire across the football field to get him. Yeah. That's the best shot in the whole thing. Hang on just a second. Fling. <laughs> Poo. Anyway, you got to stop killing people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, paranoia. Oh, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. This isn't just a review of the CW shows? <laughs> a review of the CW shows via the lens of the Amazon Prime show. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing instead of what we should be doing. So the book comes with a lot of very good GM advice, uh, a very distinct uh, art style. Yeah. Well, the book is also like, I would say, a good 70% GM for yeah. the book. Because it starts out and you're like, the first few pages where you get your, create your character, how do you do your stuff, what are you doing, and a very light intro to the world mm-hmm. is like, okay, anyone can read this. And then it is done very quickly and it's like, here you go, this is the ultraviolet access only for GMs. And it's just all the real stuff that's going on. Yeah, it's it's all the stuff that actually matters is hidden away back in the GM section. And smartly, the very first thing it tells you in the GM or in, ultraviolet section is all those rules you just read are basically optional. <laughs> Go ahead and throw them aside if it would be funnier for, to not have them in play. Yeah. Uh, and then they start introducing really cool things that the players don't need to know about, like genetic drift, where uh, if you the more clones you buy, the more broken they get. Yeah. To the point it's where you start multiplicity it's multipli- shit. Yeah, it's multiplicity. It's exactly multiplicity. Uh, <laughs> Hi there, I'm pirate Michael Keaton. <laughs> I'm a clone of Michael Keaton, but he thinks he's a pirate, and even though he has a cowboy accent. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm eye patch Michael Keaton. <laughs> Wait, were you born with an eye patch? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a genetic deformity. I have an eye patch. I'm Penguin Michael Keaton. I also have an eye patch. <laughs> I'm the Batman Penguin, though. I'm not a. I'm not just a penguin, but I am also that. I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're going to do it eventually in the comic books. A big evil penguin. Uh... <laughs> He's going to be all like, "I'm going to steal all the fish in Gotham." Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can uh... actually see the regular penguin doing that too. Uh, oh, anyway. one of the, the other things we didn't talk about in the book is everyone in your troubleshooting team has a role. Oh, that's right. You have things like, I'm the hygiene officer. And- yeah, so you've got uh, your hygiene officer who has to make sure everyone is hygienic, and so they have to make sure that like your buttons are polished and all of your clothes are straight and not wrinkled and whatnot. You've got your uh, happiness officer who has to make sure everyone's happiness at all times. Yeah, yeah. You've and got the uh, the person who's recording everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one who needs to record it all for posterity. You've got a loyalty officer. So each person is basically, it's like an improv prompt is basically what it is. Like, and Well, it's, it's the, what are you going to accuse other people of to get them treason? Instead of just having to walk around and wait for someone to be treasonous, Mm -hmm. it's what flavor of accusation are you going to do? It's like, Wayne Brady, you're hosting a party. Now, a variety of guests are going to come in, and you're going to need to guess what officer type they are based (laughs) on the way that they act when they get in there. Yeah. (laughs) Someone's going to come in and accuse you of treason because your fly is down. And and you're going to be like, ah, you're the fly is up officer. I got the the ABZ officer, or XYZ. That's what ABC. The XYZ. The XYZ. It's examine your zipper. I was trying to. ABZ is nothing. <laughs> Always <them> be <laughs> zipping. Always be zipper. <laughs> zipper. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's abs with a Z. Yeah, it's a sports drink. <laughs> it's got what you crave. <laughs> it's got what your abs crave. 
which is funny things, which is more abs. <laughs> Your abs need even more abs. You need to look like Nightfall-era Batman before you can stop. Hell yeah, you need to be some Liefeldian comic book character with like 27 abs. You need to look like you're just wearing a tight shirt over a bunch of upside-down muffin tins. <laughs> you need that that 24-pack. What, you just got grapes in there? Are those just grapes on the margins? I mean, seriously, that's always the picture I think of whenever I picture the over-abbing is uh, Jean-Paul Valley in that in his upgraded bat suit. Oh. Remember that with a white bat suit with the claws? Yeah. And then he's got like a million abs. Oh, yeah. He looks like he's in the middle of exploding. He is He is using the ab-abber technology. <laughs> the ab-abber, which if I remember correctly, is a permanent marker. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. I mean, that's pretty much what they did in uh, Justice League for Batman. Oh, my God. That was the worst idea to have him take any one part of that outfit off. <laughs> that outfit only works when it's all on there. Uh, the moment you get a close-up on the cowl, you're like, wow, he put a lot of like plastic, rubbery crow's feet on this thing. That's weird. That's I guess that was because he's supposed to be an old Batman, and he was like, well, the- I want to let the criminals know I'm an old bat. Criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot who are afraid of the elderly. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm old man. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, he's got hard candy. <laughs> I'm old man. You saw my dick in the scarlet letter. <laughs> uh, get it? Altman. Do you get it? Oh, it's Altman. It's Gary Altman. Uh, it's a joke. I got it. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't have picked any other Gary Oldman movie. I could have been like, I'm old man. Remember me from like the fifth element or whatever? Hey, you remember when I had that weird haircut and like a plastic half? <laughs> Little elephant on my desk. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Jean Baptiste. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> or when I tried to kill the president in a plane. <laughs> And then I was told to get off of it. <laughs> get off my play. I love that line. I really wish we had gotten a get off my Millennium Falcon before he was killed. Oh, Come on. Wouldn't that have been great to that, that Raptar thing? He was, I mean, he wasn't even on the Millennium Falcon at the time, but he could have said it. He could have done it. He could have been like, oh, no, it's a Raptar or whatever the big ball monster is. Uh, <laughs> the big ball monster. Dude, it's a big rolling ball covered in tentacles. What do you? It's a non-floating beholder. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else you would call it. I mean, a, a Raptar. Rathtar. But still, he could have opened... Halt, I am Rathtar. <laughs> halt, I am Rathtar. <laughs> we're going to get some Rugrats in we here. we get a couple of Rugrats. We're going to do I know. anything we I know. can to not talk about I know. paranoia. I, I heard the Reptar joke. No, you're right. We should probably... One more thing we didn't mention is that on the Amazon Prime Tick show... <laughs> 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 I didn't like Arthur's helmet very much. There, I said it. I was just putting it out Done. there. The, the, the eyes were too slanted. Okay, so... Uh, so I guess we probably, I mean, the rest of the book is basically like a, a, a sample adventure. And one thing I really liked about the sample adventure, which I believe was called like Mr. Bubbles or something. One thing I really liked about it was that it had a sidebar included that gave you the rules for converting it. It was a straight mode game into a, uh, a another game, one of the other game modes. The, 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 it was set up for the regular mo- style. Yeah. And they're like, if you would like to play this as a deadly serious game, do the following things. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of fun that they really did commit to that concept of this is three games in one. Oh, yeah. I like that they put the options in there, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you like if you start playing Paranoia and it turns out that everyone you are playing with is uh, like just playing it super serious style and you thought going into it you were going to be playing like the regular or Zap style, mm-hmm. then you can make the adjustments that they give you in there. And just be like, well, fine, fuck it. I'll just adjust down and we'll go to the regular, like, the serious style. And now all of the weapons do different types of damage than they would have done. And uh, I'm going to make it so that there's, uh, like, more serious consequences and things like that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, I, I like overall. I'm fairly positive on this game, and I, I probably I figured I knew I would be. I mean, the things See, I figured you were going to hate it just because oh, of the comedy games. Well, not just because of that, but because you you have a tendency to hate things that are memey like this, like the oh friend computer, you're a treason, man. Yeah, that that's normally true. You, you've you've absolutely got me put, uh, figured out there, but. In this one case, I knew going in that 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 wasn't the game's fault. That that's that's just years of cultural detritus that I that I dis I don't care for. Yeah, it's just hating nerds it's rather than the game. Like for example, when I'm sitting down to actually play D and D with some friends, and someone's like, "I attack the darkness," I'm like, "You get zero joke points. You, you don't you don't get joke points for that." You're like, uh, is there a gazebo? I want to fight the gazebo." Yeah, we've all read it. Yeah, we got it. You don't get you don't. There's no points here. Yeah, it's it's all about the points, and you get points for new jokes coming from me, a guy who does nothing but Akewood references. Yes, but that's okay because I'm a huge hypocrite. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving right. I mean, back when I was a kid, it was Monty Python that the the thing that, that made me stop liking that in D and D because I used to play with my friends, and Jesus Christ, the number of times I heard people say things about shrubbery or the knights who say knee. Oh well, that's because once there is a point in a nerd's life. Where he is introduced every little nerd's life to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, yeah, and all of a sudden he's like, "This, this is what I need to do." Yeah, just like, "Okay, guys, I'd like to play the party bard." <sighs> Go ahead, just hit just, me with just, it. Just come on, let's hear tell it. me about Brave Sir Robin. Brave, Brave Sir Robin. Yeah, okay, thanks. We got okay, good. You did it. You uh, also a moose once bit my sister. Yeah, no, I okay, I got it. No, no, no. I no, I got it. Oh boy, yeah. And this rabbit has huge, fierce... Po- no, no, okay, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'm sure that some call you Tim. Yeah. Uh, this is an ex-parrot. Uh, at least oh. that's something else. Oh, well, at least that was the TV show. That's from the show instead. That's something. <laughs> you well, got my, that going my for My character you. is a wizard of silly walks. Okay, yeah. This is the machine that goes ping! All right, so we're, okay, oh, we're doing a different, different movie. movie. Okay, that's good, yeah. Oh, oh, Hitler's a guest at this tavern. Oh, a Faulty Towers reference. That's Ooh, this is weird. that's that's a di- that's a different thing with one of the same actors in it. So I guess there's that. Oh, we're 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 getting off base here. Eventually, we're gonna hit regular British we're, comedy. We're get, yeah, we're gonna get more. Or I think the next step is probably a fish called Wanda. <laughs> Wanda, <laughs> a fish called a fish called Wanda, which is of course the famous spinoff of a fish called Wanda and uh, 1995's Spawn. Yeah, it's it's that movie where Spawn tries to find a mermaid. And he's just walking around like, Wanda, Wanda, I need a mermaid. <laughs> I died five years ago, and then my wife became a mermaid while I was dead. Wanda. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so John, there is one thing that we actually have to do today. Oh, is there? But yeah, we do. We do have one more interesting thing we have to do this week, which is something we don't do very often. Uh, for our $10 per episode Patreon subscribers, if you're a subscriber for five consecutive episodes, you give us a total of 50 bucks, then you can, at your own discretion, send us something that we have to read on the show. Yeah. It's been a while since we have had to do that. Yeah, I had to read that poem about dinosaurs or something last time, I think it yeah. was. And then one time you had to read, uh, I for- it was some verse from the Bible in the Dog Bites a Dick voice. Yeah. So there's if you want us to say something ridiculous or propose to someone for you or <laughs> you know whatever re- you want yeah, whatever the John Galt speech uh, that's going to cost you several hundred more dollars. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> if you want us to just, I don't know, do an ad for something. Yeah, if you actually, if you want to do us I mean, do it's ads. $50 for an ad on the yeah. show, basically. It, it, to be perfectly honest, I'd probably do it without making you subscribe to us for 10 weeks in a row. <laughs> if you really want to do this, you're, you're more than welcome to just, call, I'll put up a PayPal button on the page. Just give us 50 bucks and we'll read your friggin' thing. And then I'll jack the price up after that. You'll be the only one who gets it at fifty dollars. Yeah. So uh, jack it up. So, so this time we have one of our ten dollar donors, uh, Roderick Strange, who asked us to lead or blah, to read a list of funny words. Uh, and so, uh, John, if you wouldn't mind starting us off, we'll just take turns making our way down the list here. So this is for Roderick Strange a list of funny words: linguini, bosom, epidermis, parfait. Scrotum, persnickety, flabbergasted, craven, bumbo, rotund, trundle, hoedown, fornicate, ruckus, knickers, kumquat, spelunking, ointment, pumpernickel, trapezoid, dilettante, goggles. There you go. And there we have it. That's the list of funny words. I don't know if we were supposed to do those in voices or whatever. I don't. Well, it wasn't requested. It wasn't in the instructions. So again, that's uh, that's the sort of thing you can get from us if you want. Uh, you can uh, donate ten dollars per episode for five episodes in a row. We'll let you unlock us reading something for you of no greater than four minutes in reading length. There you go. Because we don't want other people. Because otherwise, let's be real. People just skip through it. There's a there's a thirty second skip ahead button on everyone's pod kicker. <laughs> so you got to know how to just keep in- interesting information coming. You gotta know how yeah. to hold them. But if you you want us to say your thing, just let us know. You can always skip the line and just send us a bunch of money. We'll we'll allow it. In the meantime, let's get back to the show. All right, John, are you ready to tell me your favorite thing about paranoia? I am not. Okay, then could you please tell me your least favorite thing about paranoia? Mm, probably. Yeah. I could well, probably do that. <laughs> I mean. Why don't we? St- well, let's just do this correctly. Let's let's come correct if we're going to come at all. <laughs> uh, could you please tell me your favorite thing about paranoia? XP uh, by Mongoose Publishing. Let's see. Best City thing about paranoia. Paranoia is. I want to say that my favorite thing in this is the variable nonsense to the game, the like uh, normal and then serious and zap modes. Yeah, it comes in normal view. <laughs> the. Uh, the fact that the game knows that for a comedy game, people are either going to take it way too far or not far enough, and it gives you the options of like, did you want to play a weird dystopian future? Did you want to play a goofy dystopian future? Or did you want to play straight up a cartoon where everyone dies? I mean, I'll, I'll be clear. I, I would never want to play the zap mode of this game. Yeah, it's- I don't. I don't think I've ever played in zap mode i'm pretty sure all the times i've played paranoia it's been sort of the normal mode mm-hmm. where yeah people are like kind of sabotaging the other people and doing like accusing of treason and whatnot but you don't get to the point where you're like oh you walk into the room after your clone got killed and then someone shoots you immediately again yeah so so that's not really my my wouldn't be my jam I mean, I could like go play Overwatch and pretend I'm playing Zap mode of this. Oh yeah, yeah. Just yell stuff about treason and friend computer. Yeah, just uh, go ahead and play as I don't know. I guess Symmetra's got S- laser. Symmetra's kind of computery. Sombra's another one that would be a pretty good choice, right? Eh. Just running around being like, I have hacked the computer because I have machine empathy, and they're like, You admitted it. You're a treason. <laughs> you are a treason. You are such a treason. And then she <laughs> Stelson runs away. Yeah, uh, I can see that. And then like Torbjorn's all mad about it. <laughs> Torbjorn, so mad. He's a high programmer. Yeah. 
Torbjorn is, is definitely the hygiene officer. Hear me, baby. <laughs> All together. <laughs> All right. Uh, so your favorite thing in the book. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite thing in this book is the uh, specialties system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that in order to get a special... The specialties are mandatory to stop players from just saying, oh, no, I don't want those. Thank you. Uh, but also do force you to create weaknesses and limitations on your character that could be interesting later on. I thought they were fairly well designed. Uh, I mean, granted, it all, it's all going to fall apart in the wash when perversity points get involved and everyone's like, oh, I'll just lower your, your thing by five. I'll raise it by two. And, and uh, you're, you're my boyfriend, so I'll give you a point. <laughs> um, uh. So that kind of stuff happens. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but I think that that was a pretty well-designed system. John? What would you say is your least favorite thing about Paranoia XP? Uh, I mean, it goes sort of back to your, joint. your problem with it. Uh-huh. Originally, of Too the, the book encourages you to be, like, always accusing people of treason and, mm-hmm. you know, constantly be on the lookout and try and use whatever things you've got to get people killed. And I can... I. I've only ever played Paranoia as one-shots. I've never played as a campaign, and I cannot be like... This isn't a game where I would be like, oh yeah, I'd want to come back to this every like once a week or once a month even and play it. It is a game where, you know, if I played it once or twice a year, I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of fun. But it's... The game wants you to be so meme heavy on this that I I can't get into it. No, you're absolutely right. Now, what would you be able to get into it if instead of it being, you know, paranoia XP memes that it wants you to be so heavy on, it was just any memes? Oh yeah. If I was just walking around and I was like, I've got security level red, that means I'm a doggo. (laughs) Oh no, that guy's a burb. He's going to kill me. Yeah. (laughs) You have to you have to make it into the rocket supply parts room and collect a snack. (laughs) Oh no, turn out it green bean. Yeah, I would 100% be down with that. If I showed up somewhere and then, like, all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're playing Paranoia, but it's Paranoia, and every time you say treason, we start over. <laughs> we're playing Paranoia, but every time you use your mutant power, we have to play Paranoia 10% faster. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, 100% down for. You give me the, like, we are number one constantly <laughs> playing in the background, and I am A-OK with this game. Oh, my gosh. So, so yeah, if we're going to do this as we are number one, but it's Paranoia, the role-playing game, yeah. then, yeah, I'm on board with that for sure. Uh, so, your least favorite thing in the book. Okay, uh, I mean, the the memetic value of this book is, is uh, memetic probably doesn't mean Mimi. Uh, anyway, uh, eh. it doesn't bother me as much as I was hope. I, I, well, not hoping, but as I was expecting that it would. Yeah. Because, I mean, I came in like, ugh, paranoia. All I know about it is people yelling about friend computer at each other. No, no thank you. Uh, I, I'm going to say my least favorite thing about this is, and I mentioned it a couple times during the show, that the game goes into great detail about how the stats work, and then just to, in, basically tells the DM to go around them immediately. Yeah. To just sort of wildly play with them because they don't actually matter. Which, you know, I, I understand that that's a humor value thing, but at a certain point you should go ahead and fess up to that and then just say, oh, well, we're writing all these rules in here because otherwise we can't sell a book. <laughs> but but please, please... Tr- Know full well that these rules aren't real. Know that this is straight up just an improv game. Yeah. It's just like putting out, like, you know, a, a, a hole, a human occupied landfill where it's like, does this game need rules or is it really just a send up of the concept of rules? Yeah. So, so, uh, but I mean, it's that's not all that big of a hit against it. To be perfectly honest, I liked this. All right. So I assume that means 
would you play this? Well, the nice thing about this game is that it's got three playable modes, and I would say I would play two out of three of those modes. I'm not all that interested in playing Zap, uh, but I would definitely play this as a straight game or as a classic game. Okay. So, so yeah, I would definitely play this. Uh, it seems like it could be a good, especially for one-shots, because one of the one problems I would say with this game is that it's not easy to build a character who's interesting. Yeah. I mean, because what are you? Oh, I'm a weird clone. My name is RU66-Y. Okay, well, um, that that's not very interesting. And so instead, I'm going to call you R66-Y. Yay! <laughs> Chrono Trigger jokes. Yay. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, your, your character is vaguely sexless because they use drugs that make you less gendery. Yeah. Yep. Uh, your character is named something like Jim number Jim B five fifty one L, and you know your only quirks are th- like are things like oh uh, I'm always scratching behind my ears, so I'm easily recognizable. So it's good for a one shot, but it would be real hard to get attached to your character. Yeah. So, but so yeah, I would definitely play a one shot of this. And John, would you play any kind of this game? Uh, I would also Again. play two out of the three, but I would play classic and zap. You don't I wouldn't play that straight stuff. I wouldn't want to do the serious one because I would only want to do uh, the one shot of it. And I feel like the like playing it straight is trying to turn paranoia into a game you could do a campaign for. Well, I mean, they give you examples of each type of play style, and they're one for, like, straight, where it's like, oh, this is an actual world of, of terror, is like, what if uh, Yosarian from Catch-22 was trying to survive in 1984? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, there's still humor there, but it's just, you know, it's more wry humor than it is like, woohoo, everyone's falling down! Yeah. Your butt got poop on it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I... The computer hates poop on a butt. I, uh... I mean, he does. The computer really does hate poop on a butt. That's why you have a hygiene officer. Hygiene officer specifically interested in poops on butts and nothing else. Well, yeah, and one of the big things in the setting is there are always cameras in every bathroom. That's true. There, that's true. There, that's actually correct. Yeah. For a second, I thought I was just going to be laughing at the concept of it. Then I was like, oh no, wait, that's right. No, that is straight up a thing in this book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, like, I could play a zap one shot and just be like, yes, I am straight playing a cartoon. Mm -hmm. I could do classic because I've done that before, but. I, I feel like trying to take this game seriously is going against what the game wants you to do. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But so, yeah, we would both play this. Two out of threes out of both of us in terms of which versions of this game we would play. Overall, I can definitely say I heartily recommend it. There you go. All right. So, uh, Johnny, got anything else you want to say this week? All I want to say to the people is thank you so much for supporting us, but not enough. <laughs> you yeah. need to support us more. <laughs> Uh, we had a little bit of a fall off at the end of the month. I assume people are getting ready for their holiday spending, and they're kind of oh yeah, I one hundred percent understand yeah. that. I, but but it did drop us below the one thousand goal. We're yes. we're currently like nine ninety four or something. Unfortunately, uh, we 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 didn't set up the uh, weekly expounded universe as like a. It's not a finish line. It's it's an ongoing goal. Yeah, it is. If we are above this point, then yeah. So that goal's at the goal's active again. It's just not you know we're doing it. It's not active. Yeah. So, uh, so the it's next active, it's just not active. Yeah, it's just not. We just aren't winning. So, uh, so winning. So while we have we have recorded the next episode of Expounded Universe, it's unlikely that we'll drop it this week. It's more likely to come out next week, unless miraculously we hit our goal again. Yeah, if like today randomly people are like, here you go. Yeah, then then that'll bring us back around. But and it's not like we're trying to. We fully understand that this is a fluctuating value on the Patreon, uh, but. Ultimately, it's both of our paychecks, and so we get real worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Plus, hey man, if I'm not at that goal, I'm not doing extra work. Like that's just not a thing I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm still doing. We're still going to record them weekly. We'll just see when you guys get them. <laughs> we'll just hoard them away. They'll be well, in the vault. That way we'll we be can, like prints. That way we we'll can have take a whole a vault of hours of content it, it, that no one gets. It's not like our new reviews of uh, Vonda McIntyre's The Crystal Star from 1994 are so super up to the minute. <laughs> we can we can record the whole thing. People need those those Vonda McIntyre hot takes. Yeah, we could read all that shit today and record it all today and just dribble drizzle them out later. Unless the world comes to an end, it'll probably be fine. It's yeah. not like it'll change the content. So you know that's that's fine. But like but rather than just bitching about the Patreon, let's let's. We have a Patreon. Let's go, celebrate let's it. Let's celebrate it. Everyone go support the Patreon. Uh, if you do so, you'll unlock bonus content. If you do it at any level, you unlock our bonus episodes where we make characters in the game we just reviewed. That means this week we're going to make some paranoia characters, which is staggeringly easy. So yep. we'll just we'll just zip right through it. Uh, we'll try to make it funny all the same. Otherwise, you can support us at a variety of different levels for a variety of different things. You can find out how to do that over at patreon.com slash systemmastery. Uh, find us otherwise at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Uh, if you do that and you need to buy a game that we've been reviewing, use the banners on there to go to DriveThruRPG. Buy them that way. That supports us. Otherwise, find us on Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, Reddit. We're System Mastery on all those places. Thank you so much for your listening, and have a good week. Or day. Or whatever it is I usually say. I forget. I forget.